Hello. The year was 2019. And our podcast marched on towards oblivion. I really don't know where I'm going with this intro. Guys, it's that my video! <laughs> I was expecting something grand. Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video. And now the show will begin. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Graham. Lillian is sick this evening, so she cannot join us for our best of the year, best of the decade episode. So this is a non-traditional episode. We are going to be going through our favorite films from the past 10 years and the past year. <laughs> Kit has not even thought about that. <laughs> so guys, before we get into this, uh, has anyone seen anything interesting that they've uh, since we last recorded? I have not. It's Christmas in retail for me. Uh, Christmas in retail for me as well. I I have no. You've been watching Peaky Blinders though. Yeah, yeah. I made it through the uh, second season of uh, Peaky second Blinders. series. Second series, mean, yes. yes. If we like, if mm-hmm. we like. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's fun enough. I would say Peaky Blinders. Like as soon as, because I know Lil watched some of it. I think Phil, when you watch it, like we can say it's officially death by video approved. Um, sorry to rip off Shockwaves is a gimmick of when all four hosts like something they say it's Shockwaves approved. But uh, in terms of television, I think it's quite good. Every season is just six episodes. Um, anything... It's the proper way to do it. Yeah. The, the British yeah. really figured that out. Mm-hmm. Six, six episodes. Make them good. And, and then a Christmas special. Yeah. I love the Christmas specials. <laughs> Give it a 12 to 8 episode arc and then just mm-hmm. call it a day. Yeah. I move on to the next series or... Exactly. Whatever uh, film, mm-hmm. whatever 10 to 28 films each given actor has in the pipeline. Yeah. Exactly. So, guys, do we just want to dive into our favorites from the past? Do we want to do year first or decade first? Oh, uh, what are you? What are you thinking? Um, well, let's uh, let's cap off the year first. Let's okay. uh, let's finish with 2019. All right. Um, it was, uh, in my opinion, it was a very strong year for film. It was actually hard for me to narrow these down. I think, well, it, but I only saw like four films, so they. But they're all good, though, right? Uh, no. mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Mostly. Yes. Sure. Cool. Um, I um, I actually had a hard time narrowing it down to, I think, how many did I put in here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, I got ten. Yeah, I, I got ten films. Um, one I can possibly drop. I don't think I'll be revisiting it too much, but uh, but definitely like some solid choices of films that I really, really dug this year. Um, who wants to go first? And again, I don't put mine in order, except I do have a favorite for the year, which I'll get to at the end. But if you've got yours ranked in ascending or descending order, Phil. I don't really have a ranked order, and there are less mm-hmm. than 10 movies. That That's I cool. Like That's cool. Lot. Okay. Yeah. Go first. What's, uh, what's your well, first Well, pick? the number one by a landslide was The Souvenir for me for 2019. Yeah, I never saw that one, and I'm still kicking myself. That's that's yeah. one of the films like that I missed this year, and I really regret missing it. But I will be catching up with it soon. But it being an A24 movie, I anticipate it being on Netflix very shortly, or some or other some streaming service that you easily canopy, have access probably, to. Canopy, probably, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be surprised if it popped up on Criterion, maybe. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, because all of Joanna Hogg's mm-hmm. movies, I think they're off Criterion Channel now, but... But they were um, all up there for a while. They were, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Kid, so, are, you, are you familiar with The Souvenir? 
Is that a Jackie Chan movie? Yes. No. Uh, I don't know what, how you would confuse that. Uh, no, it's, it's no, Joanna Hugs. I just was thinking of The Foreigner. I don't know why I was thinking I thought you were thinking of like, the tuxedo or something. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Uh, no, I don't know the souvenir. But uh, but it's Joanna Hogg's like somewhat autobiographical work. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, her film school days, mm-hmm. starring uh, Tilda Swinton's daughter, who looks nothing like her. Um, oh, interesting. Yes. Oh, and Tilda Swinton does have a smallish uh, supporting role as mm-hmm. her mother. And well, good casting. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what uh, What'd you like about it? Like, what What really brought you into it? just the the story, the characters, the atmosphere? It's It's a very character driven movie. It's It's a nice uh, leisurely paced slow burn. Um, it depicts a uh, toxic relationship really well. It uh, very twenty nineteen. Yeah. Cool. It just depicts sort of uh, like the condescension of the creative pro. The condescension of like academia. Um, mm-hmm. It's. It's it's very subtly clever, like how like it uh, conveys uh, its era. It's set in the eighties, and it uses like diegetic audio, mm-hmm. just these little subtle cues, like etc. In the Troubles, Thatcher's Britain. It's, yeah, that whole era. It does. It nails it in a perfect way. Excellent, cool. Kit, uh, is there a movie from this year you'd like to talk about before we move on to my choice, my next choice? Oh, are we uh, are we gonna do this? We're gonna like do a film, yeah, we'll do, do a, a film, film, do a, a film, film, talk about it, yeah. Right, well, I'm just looking at my letterboxed reviews, and um, the the I've only got two films from this year that got four and a half stars. Oh, really? Just a high review from me. Yeah, yeah. What five are, star are, is like bona fide classic. Like so, this is one of my favorite films. Yeah, like The Godfather. Or something. So and what, then four and a half is just something I really enjoyed, and I've been thinking about a lot. I mean, they, it may drop down in rating mm-hmm, for in me future, yeah. because things are so immediate. You know, you get that well, um, recency you, bias. But exactly. Well, that's why, like in my best of the decade, I, it's not necessarily all my number ones from every year because certain years have more films that I like than others. Um, but but what's one of those films that got four and a half stars from Kit Lewis? Parasite. Nice. Yeah, is that on your list? Your like, list? I think that's that was maybe like my second or third favorite of this year. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it as well. It didn't crack my top ten, but I um maybe, but it, it's a very tough year. And also, uh I don't know. Films are just so not even subjective, subjective yeah. for people, but mm-hmm. subjective for whatever kind of person you are the yeah. day that you watch it. No, no, I don't get me wrong. I loved Parasite, but like this year was actually difficult to narrow down. Oh, okay, the films I but like. uh, yeah. yeah, really enjoyed Parasite. Loved the um, like late capitalism um, uh, critique. I love the fact that um, uh, the filmmaker uh, Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. I just couldn't remember what the order of those. Um, uh, syllables came in. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is reversible with Korean, but I'm not sure. Or just Bong for short. Well, they they put the last name first. Yeah. They're one of these, yeah. uh, which is probably the better way to do it. Who knows? Um, anyway, I like that he was like surprised about how many. He's like, I just created something that I thought was super Korean. That was just like very of our culture, and everybody around the planet were like, "Yep, that's it. It do be like that's that." That's where we're at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a. Uh, it's hard out there for us working stiffs. It really is. We're getting crushed, uh, and and it's a it's a great film. And you know the the title is very on the nose. It's like, well, who's the parasite? But that is a good question. Mm-hmm. Are the parasites the uh, the the, the, the working poor that are sucking mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the the money out of this rich family, or is it the rich family who are just a couple of idiots who don't seem to do anything of value for society mm-hmm. and who would die without? 
They just leech these off of off the world. Also yeah. leech off mm-hmm. the workers that they yeah. would die without. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a great movie. Uh, I'm still thinking about it. Or so. is the parasite the guy in the basement? Well, obviously that's kind of like that, and or the the cell phones that everybody's mm-hmm. constantly using and can't yeah, get yeah, away yeah. from. Like there's there's all sorts of different angles mm-hmm. to this. Well, that movie opening scene where it's like they're they're on the this hunt to find Wi-Fi is pretty great. Yeah, like I guess I'm just not familiar with soul geography, but like, Durbin mentions because like the slum that they live in is at below sea level, whereas the mm-hmm. affluent live well above, above sea level. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, just that that one scene where the guys when they go back to the apartment, he's just, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's flooded, it's completely yeah. flooded, and I think uh, the the sister she's up on the the toilet and she's just trying to get a signal, and yeah. the sewage is just erupting out of the toilet, toilet, and she has to sit so on the bad. seat. So it's yeah. so good. It's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. I really I really I like that film too. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's definitely an important film, and I think everyone should see it. I just think it was a really good year for movies, sadly. Um, it not happens, sadly. Yeah. It's good, yeah. Every now and then, like, I remember 2007, 2008 were both stellar years. It, it's good to, like, yeah. weed stuff <laughs> sometimes. I know. I felt really bad about cutting Parasite, but I'm like, I just love these other films. It's, it's getting enough shine. It's yeah. okay. I, it's my mm-hmm. it's my secret hope, and if, if uh, you know, the world likes me and stuff, mm-hmm. that this will not only get a best picture nomination I which think is he'll, I think he'll get a hard be- I think he'll I think hard for a foreign film to get a best, get best picture best nomination palm, the palm door yeah so. yeah but that almost like never translates into Oscar well, the, uh, the also, artist it's also made so much money mm-hmm. like it made like a hundred million before it even hit here so yeah, yeah it's, it's a bona fide hit yeah. I, I I definitely I, think, I think it could win mm-hmm. best picture though this is my dark horse I'm like I, I know it's mm-hmm. just gonna go to friggin Avengers <laughs> I love it will how, I love how everyone's like <laughs> oh it's gonna be Black Panther and then no, it wasn't. it's not gonna be Black it's not Panther be, was not released this year don't no, do no, not last tell me year, last year because everyone was like it's gonna Black Panther is gonna win I never thought that Black Panther was going to win, though. I don't think Avengers is going to win either. It's going to. I, I go, think it might because it's like this was the last one, nah, and that's why no, the same no, reason no, Return no, of the no. King won all those awards and stuff like that. Nah, it won't. It won't. Not when Scorsese's released. There's going to be like a lot of yeah, old but, people but that are Bob like I, Bob Iger is just going to be like, no, mm-hmm. it's going to be Avengers. This <laughs> I love year. how he's bought the Oscars. <laughs> I love how, I love why, how, why wouldn't he be able? Well, to? also here's the thing. I kind of feel that like Marvel is just kind of like we don't give a, a poop about the Oscars. We yes, don't need do. to. He buried Twin Peaks. He can bury the Oscars too. <laughs> well, I love how I love how Bob Iger had a meeting with Martin Scorsese this week, where he basically just sort of said, told Scorsese, "You're meeting with me to discuss to bury the hatchet." And Scorsese was like, "Okay." I, 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 there were a lot of Goodfellas memes circulating. Like you're gonna, yeah, Joe like, Pesci <laughs> getting made. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pesci, you sure you don't want to play Howard the Duck? Um, actually, Seth Green's got that gig now, and he's a pretty good Howard the Duck from his cameos um, but yeah Parasite I think for sure it'll definitely win best foreign feature I think Bong is definitely going to get a best director nomination at the Oscars as well and I'd like to see a best picture in there too I think it might because with best picture they have up to 10 selections they don't have to have 10 but no, they have and they haven't I don't, I don't even know if they've used all 10 once they have yeah okay. the first year when Avengers was the first Avengers was nominated That's for best right, picture yeah. Which everyone's like it wasn't, and I'm like, go back. Ooh, that was that ooh. was to make up for the Dark Knight not being nominated. That yeah. was uh, that was a little um, to placate the nerds, basically. Yeah, 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 I thought it was the year the Hurt Locker one though. It was like the first year it was like ten. Numbers. Maybe it was Hurt Locker, but so that was that was Avatar as well. Because remember, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that was that was 2010. That was when Star Trek got nominated for Best Picture. Uh, the, just the James Cameron getting burned by his ex-wife. I love it. You yeah. love to see it. You do yeah. love to see it. Has anyone heard about Tim Miller talking about <laughs> working with James Cameron on the last Terminator movie where he was like, I realized early on I was not going to be able to make a good film. Like, <laughs> he's like, I'd be like, so my vision is this. And James Cameron would be like, no, it's this. 
And I was like, well, I think, and James Cameron just shakes his head silently at me, and I realize this is the world I'm living in now. His name is James, James Cameron, the bravest pioneer. No budget too steep, no seat too deep. Who's that? It's him, James Cameron. Systems are normal. You guys hearing the song okay up there? James Cameron, explorer of the sea. Yes, James, we'd hear the song. Descending to 1,000 feet. I don't see the bar yet. Looks like it must have sunk pretty low. With a dying thirst to be the first. Could it be? Yeah, that's him, James Cameron. All right, give us, give us a film. Give us a hot film for from me? 2019. Okay, I'm going to start um, towards, like, I don't have my films ranked, but I'll say one that, um, hmm. What's one that I could talk about? Because I think another one that you probably ranked highly is another one that's on my list. I'll go with Jojo Rabbit, which I don't think either of you guys have I didn't seen. see, though. Did so. not see. I love this film. I think the, the snarky internet press was after it even before it screened, being like, oh, it's going to be twee. And like, or it's going to be like, LOL, Nazis are bad. It's like, that's... It's the people's choice. It won the people's choice at TIFF. It did. It is not a LOL, so did, Nazis are... So did Green Book, though. Yeah. Which I'm kind of like... Well, sort of bad timing. In exactly. I know. And that movie's awesome. Um, but I would say uh, Jojo Rabbit. The thing about Jojo Rabbit is that it's not so much about like, hey, racism is bad. It's like, hey, we have the ability to change. Because it is the story of a, of a zealot, of a total blind faith believer in all things Nazism. And learning that we are not... It's not died in our DNA. It's not in our genes. And... It's one of the few films that I have ever cried at the end of. And I will wow. openly admit that I cried at the end of it because it's, and it takes just sort of simple, they talk about like, you know, when this whole war is over, what are you going to do? And one character, a because um, the plot is a 10-year-old um, member of the Hitler youth who's obsessed with Hitler to the point that Hitler's his imaginary friend, finds out that his mother is hiding a Jewish girl who was a friend of his sister's in their in their house. Played by Taika Waititi, the, the director. He plays Hitler, not the yes. little girl hiding no, in his no, house. No, no, I, yeah. I, I do know that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, just the way it that you said it. It was the girl from mm -hmm. uh, Leave No Trace. Yes. Probably my favorite movie of last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's very good in it, too, because, like, um, when the little boy asks, like, so what are you going to do when the war is over? And she's like, what, you, you mean when I'm exterminated? And that kind of, like, hits him with, like, time bricks. And then she kind of realizes that and she says, like, when it's over, I'll dance. And then you realize, oh... They're under such tight... There's no dances going on right now because this is towards the end of World War II. Like, things are falling apart for the German government. Um, they're, using, they're using child soldiers yeah, by this Child point, soldiers yeah. becomes a big part of it. And, like, I remember walking out of the theater when I saw the TIFF and people being like, it was good, but that whole thing about child soldiers at the end was a bit far-fetched. It's like... No, that's a fact. No, that was true. Yeah. That was very true. Like, the only reason the main character isn't uh, on the front lines as a child soldier is because he suffers an injury at Hitler Youth Camp that makes him... Uh, uh, not qualified to uh, to fight in combat, but yeah, that's 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 my pick. I it's controversial. I know a lot of people are just kind of like the the vibe I got from certain critics in Toronto and certain people I know before they even saw the movie was eye roll. Um, no one in this room. No one in this room. I like I had a long. I, I've been snarky about it on social <laughs> media too. When you watch that, I would just say watch it and try and go with an okay. open mind and understand that like the other thing that Taika Waititi, White, whatever his name is, does really well. You got it. Is Taika Waititi? He he take, shows take, Taika Waititi is what how a New Zealander pronounced it to me. To you, and so okay. that's how I now I think that I know how to pronounce it correctly. I could be way off. Mm -hmm. The the thing that he does really well is he shows that like 
Hitler to those people at that time. Like when you when we see the world that we live in, not to before anyone crawls up my ass, not to compare Trump to Hitler or Doug Ford to Hitler, but when you see that cult of personality arise because mm -hmm. he presents the love of Hitler in Nazi Germany as Beatlemania, like literally having I want to hold your hand play over the opening credits. The as, German version. The German version, yeah. As the little boys running around like shouting up Heil Hitler to everyone on the street and it cuts to footage of Nazi rallies and it looks like Beatlemania. And I really like that it put that perspective on it that, you know, when you, you put this through the eyes of a 10 year old boy and also the adults around them are complex because they realize Nazi Germany is going down. Some of them are still devoted to the cause. Some of them are still fighting, knowing they're fighting in vain and stupidity. And other people are actually working against it. And it's tragic and it's sad and it's also funny, which is hard to do. And uh, everyone's comparing it to Life is Beautiful, the Roberto Benigni movie. To those people, I say, oh, grow up. Um, but it's really good, and it's 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 one of my favorites of the year. And uh, listeners, if you don't like any of our hot takes or our opinions on film, uh, please feel free to email Graham Shepard directly. Um, Graham.m.shepard at gmail.com. <laughs> or you can hit us up at Death by, Death by, Death by Video we're Podcast. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Yep. Death by Video Pod on Twitter, Death by Video Podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. Send, send yep. your hate our way. Mm -hmm. Death by Video uh, Podcast on Instagram. I want to hear all about it. Um, Phil, what is your next choice? All right. Uh, another one is okay, uh, we've already talked about Parasite. Uh, how about uh, we talk about a uh, divisive movie like, Ooh, I like uh, divisive movies. The Beach Bum? Uh, I have not. <laughs> I have not seen it, but I want to. I see do. That. I do want to see it, and it, it kills me because mm -hmm. I actually really disliked Spring Breakers, and I don't like Harmony Korine generally. But I know. every time I see a trailer for this movie, I'm like, I do want to see that. It looks like a lot of fun. It does. Matthew McConaughey <laughs> just being a bum. I, I like Spring Breakers. Yeah, I'm generally team Harmony Korine. Like I think Trash Humpers kind of tested my patience, but <laughs> that's when I severed the link. Well, that's when I was like, <laughs> I put a wall down, and on this side of it is Harmony Korine, and the other side is me. <laughs> I'm a uh, died in the wool gummo fan that's good yeah yeah never seen gummo yeah. but so so tell us tell us what's what's the deal with uh, the beach bum why did it appeal oh, to your wow. delicate sensibilities where do you even begin with beach bum it's just it's just so left field it's fun it's uh hysterical stunt casting for days uh a truly delightful Matthew McConaughey performance. Uh, Could it be the, called the Nader of the McConaissance? Because I've heard that, like, no. I mean, his, his his wave has kind of crested, I think, a little bit. No, uh, this is peak McConaughey. This is, and uh, the best PBR product placement since Blue Velvet. I, I am I'm honestly trying to think of what the Nader of the McConaissance would be. Um, probably like those Lincoln commercials that he's been doing. <laughs> I see those in my Twitter feed every single day. <laughs> and they're, they're pretty awful. Yeah. I do love Jim Carrey's like... Uh, just, just a sideways glance. <laughs> so Jim Carrey played Matthew McConaughey uh, on, that, that was good. The, that was uh, good. He was like... I think it was the, uh, the on, 25th on, anniversary. Uh, you could see 40th, Snoop Dogg and Jimmy Buffett do a duet. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I do want to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Isla Fisher. Uh, Big fan of Isla Fisher. I think she's Yeah, she, she a gives a really delightful performance. Um, mm-hmm. Still married to Sasha Baron Cohen? She is. Oh, yeah. good. They're, yeah. They're, man, that's a couple. I, 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 I did have to uh, Google that, but she is. I am cheering for that couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Stay strong, guys. Yeah, don't, stay don't break stay our together. hearts. Yeah, yeah. Stay together for the kids. The kids being us. And there's and Jonah Hill is very incognito in this movie. Like, it's good because I think he's very. It took me like about half the movie to like figure out. Wait, is that? It's Jonah Hill. And then I waited for the credits because I was second guessing myself. I'm like, yep, it was Jonah Hill. Nice. I had a hot take about this possibly being the decade of Jonah Hill, but I'll I'll leave that. I will say nay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying I'm pro it. I'm just saying, wow, he really had a decade. But mm-hmm. true to uh, the rest of the, but because it's Harmony Corinne, it's a very loved or hated affair. So you know. Oh yeah, of course. I am. I am uh, beach bum curious, so I will probably end up watching it. I, I definitely will watch it for sure. I, I, it's just a shame that we didn't watch it for the year. There's so many good films. Like I really wanted to see Satanic Panic, which is a movie that came out this year, but I never got around to seeing it. Chelsea Stardust, who follows us on Instagram, who's the writer director of that film, we will watch that movie this year. Grant, when are you back in town? You're going away for the holidays? I'm back on the 29th. Ah. Why, what's up? I want to go see Uncut Gems on the 26th. Oh, damn. Can you wait until the 20th? <laughs> I'm getting in a, like, midway through the day. I think it's only at the Bell Lightbox, too. They're really... It yeah. is. They're really shanky. They're, they're actually actually opening on Christmas Day, which is wild. Yeah, good old Christmas Day release. Okay. Um, cool. They so that's close for Christmas Day, but okay. That well, was, I mean, all the non-Christians will be happy about that. Every every theater in Toronto, like the Paradise, is is doing like a bunch of screenings on Christmas Day. So, Kit, what is your next film for uh, the for be- the Jewish cinephiles, <laughs> or just people that just want to go out and see a movie? Like the line, there's not going to be a line. Traffic's going to be good. TTC is going to be easy. It'll be like smooth like butter. Hey, and those, those theater employees, as long as they they don't they get hate time being and a half, there, they're yeah. getting they're getting double pay on on Christmas Day. Double pay so. on Christmas Day. It's going to be the title of my like blues album. <laughs> <laughs> double pay on Christmas Day. A lot of slide guitar on that one. A lot yeah. of oh yeah. Rigid twelve bar structures. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that guitar where it's just like it has to, you have to lay it on your lap? Lap, lap steel. steel. Yeah, yeah, the lap steel. It's yeah. going to be a lot of lap. My steel. dad just bought one. Oh uh, cool. Dobro. Maybe it's some fretless bass. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to hear that. <laughs> It is fun to play like a lap steel guitar, but after like five minutes, I'm like, well, this is all I can do is just down, 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 down. All right, I won't, yeah. I won't, I don't want to waste too much time on my next film because well, I think what is your next film? We discussed it a lot. It's the only other film that got four and a half stars that came out this year Ooh, that I saw. Which is that? I, that, that would be The Irishman. Diddly-dee. Oh, the Irishman! Potatoes for all! Oh, you got me a potato for Christmas. That's such a wonderful. Let's go to body film. Let's go to midnight mass. It's only seven hours long. Um, yeah, the Irishman. Uh, not on my list. Uh, uh, no, I know. I from our conversation last last uh, yeah, the other week. Yeah, it's it's a good film. It's just there's there's too much of a, of a not good film inside of it. No, there's 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 no not good film in it. There's just a lot of film, mm-hmm. and one might say that it's a little excess. But I mean, the excess. Wait, it's just like still good way too long still good and not a single irish accent in the film uh not one no not a one no no. in fact fact, you have it you have uh uh, there's more italian in the film you have robert Robert hero's irish character speaking Speaking italian Italian at one point and joe pesci (laughs) we're an irishman like you learn to speak italian i was in italy served in italy like, like hemingway but here's the thing guess what i'm there's so many soldiers that went to italy that didn't learn anything beyond although Pasta, reading uh, spaghetti. Uh, maybe this is just reading Hemingway short stories, but uh, he depicts soldiers who are just living in Italy uh, during World War One and actually picking up some Italian and trying to learn yeah. some of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So maybe that. So maybe anyway. I can finally learn Spanish if there's another civil war or something. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. I want to pick up another language, but crossed. I don't want to pick up French. Um, uh, fair. Yeah. 
So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the pacing. I liked the only fault you'd have with it is the uh, the, the aging doesn't yeah. quite work because Robert it's just Miro, a weird because you move when you're a 76 year old man, you move as a 76 year old and, man. And, and apparently, uh, I was talking about the special features um, where it's just the uh, the cast and and Martin talking. And there are they've they've had a few drinks you can tell because the table there's some daiquiris and stuff. One of the daiquiris <laughs> is in front of Joe Pesci, which makes it's delightful. Um, and they're just talking about uh, oh yeah, uh, Robert was really hard on me every time. Uh, he'd be like, hey, uh, your your voice used to be higher when you were younger, so that's how you got to act it. And uh, Martin would uh, would tell them like uh, when they were going down the steps, he's like, I oh, remember when you were a younger man, you'd skip down the steps a little more. You got to do that. And they would they really pushed themselves to do that and try and to remember. And they still didn't fail. Like uh, they, they didn't quite get there because they are old men. They're, they're in their seventies. Every should, single one of them. Should be called old men playing <laughs> in young. their late seventies. Playing twenty um, five year olds. Well, when when Robert De Niro has to do those scenes yeah. where he's playing an eighty year old man, it's like, oh yeah, he's perfect. Nailing yeah, those. you're nailing that. Yeah. <laughs> like when he's in the bank lineup and uh, mm-hmm. and he's got his walker there yeah. and yeah yeah. Um, anyway, I, I just really appreciated that film, and I, I oh, yeah, thoroughly fair. enjoyed it. That's fair. If you that's enjoy it, it, I'm that's, not just that's the best. enjoying it because I'm it's trying Scorsese, to troll the uh, Marvel fans There's or something no like that. Tro- no. The Scorsese, like, it's such a minority of fans that are, like, angry that Scorsese said Marvel's not cinema when it clearly is cinema. I, I had more I had more emotional It depends on your definition of cinema. I, ha- I think I how had, he defined cinema in the essay that he wrote, which, which I think is, you read. I did, but he is also wrong because I had a much more emotional connection to the end of Avengers Infinity War than I did to The Irishman. I, I still haven't watched the it. When Spider Man like disintegrates into nothingness at the end of Infinity War, when he l- turns to Tony oh, Stark and care. says Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. <laughs> I, I didn't care. At I all. know, but you're a cynical bastard. So because like, I knew that Spider-Man was going to come back. They've already planned a future film for him. That, There's no that g- kid performed it. What so Scorsese good. said was correct. No risk. There really? is nothing at stake. Tony there Stark is, is no th- risk. Tony Big Stark deal. is dead. Iron Man gets killed. He'll probably find a way to bring they him won't. back in a he's future done. one. They, they could. They can't. He's already going to be in a new film. No, he's not in a new Marvel film. Yeah, he's going to be in the new friggin' um. I don't know, something like the Black Widow movie or whatever they're going to do. They, they, can, they can do a prequel no, and then Robert not. De Niro's there. No. Not Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr. Let's not get those two actors confused. Anyways, The Irishman, it's for some, it's not for all. It's 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 a fantastic film. Uh, Phil, I think they'll, you'll they'll enjoy it. They'll get a ghost-faced killer to play Tony Stark's. <laughs> <laughs> He's always wanted to. Yeah. Um, I think it'll also be a Best Picture nomination and a Best Director I nomination. It, I think it'll be a film that in 10 years from now, everyone will be like, God, what were we raving about? No, people will be like, oh, that's, man, that was one of the last films where it's just like an epic, slow man, kind I of... I still need to watch it. Um, I, I feel very out of loop, you know, like, I feel like my 2019 list is incomplete because I have not seen either the Irish, neither the Irishman nor uncut gems and film yeah, Twitter. I'm, I'm kind of annoyed because whenever you release a movie on December 25th, that's clearly saying we just got this done. Yeah, like mm. I remember a couple years ago, I mean, it, it was a thread dropped. It was a 2017 movie. It didn't come out here till t- the beginning of 2018. Yeah, because they won that Oscar qualifying thing. Yeah, yeah it, it has to be in there. But, yeah. I mean, Uncut Gems was at TIFF. It, it premiered at TIFF. It yeah. was ready in Patrick September. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was completely but, well, oblivious to it. And but then guys, I, I should say, I should point out, when a film plays a TIFF, it doesn't mean it's finished. I know, I do I've know I've seen that. films change from their their screenings of TIFF. Yeah, I'm jumping the gun a bit with uh, Wasp Network, because uh, Olivier Esaias, was he, was, he was recutting that uh, after mm. TIFF, because like, it was playing at the New York Film Festival right after. And, and well, Esaias let's, let's talk like, about Wasp Network. Is that on your list? It's at the bottom of my list. But well, yeah. let's talk about it, because yeah. I, I love that film. I thought that was That, that was fantastic, was yeah. yeah. And... It was weird, inexplicably maligned. Like it was choppy in parts, but you know what? It I was, thought it, I thought it moved at such a good clip. It did yeah, not feel long at all. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. It packed so much in. And I uh, think it's definitely just like a sleeper hit. Of, I think it's gonna be one of those films that like people watch watch that film in ten years. Like ten years, like hey, how come people slept on this? Yeah, because it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not understanding the people were just like yeah it was meh whatever and well because there wasn't any big explosions that's true there wasn't yeah. anything there wasn't anything like ground because it's not like it was about the fall of the cuban empire it's just some guys that were like we're gonna be double agents to me it was just such a fascinating story oh, yeah. and i was skeptical at first with like the i i, I think i we mentioned in our episode our tip we, review yeah tip review that uh I was kind of skeptical of the direction it was going with like those title cards. I was like, oh, is this, uh, is Olivier Sias just going to make an uh, anti Cuba movie slash anti communist movie? Like, oh, but I, he I've didn't. Seen and then it turned, he it didn't, turned, he didn't no. which was the interesting thing because it's like, it's, it's the old bait and switch. And it's one of those films where it's like, you can't turn it into a soundbite, unfortunately. No. I, think that's, I think that's the issue. When you have a film that you can't turn into a soundbite, it's harder yeah. to sell. I think Uncut Gems definitely uh, mm-hmm. suffered because of that. Because like, what's what's Uncut or no, sorry, Uncut Gems, Wasp Network. What's yeah. what? What's Wasp Network about? Well, it's kind of about it's Cuba, about a lot of things, yeah. but it's not. And it's about being anti-Cuba, but not. And it's about a relationship, but not. And it's about the U.S. judicial system, but not. Yeah, you cannot so, yeah. pigeonhole the politics of the movie, and I kind of yeah. like that. It depicts it's, politics in a not yeah. black and white way. It's, it's a cornucopia of differing opinions, and mm. all told so well that you you don't realize that you're seeing. Because I don't want to describe its plot, its its politics as a mess, but it's just basically <laughs> the politics are a mess. Yeah, and that's what it shows. Mm-hmm. It's like six mm-hmm. hours of film, like in, packed in, in two, two and a half. Yeah, have you no, heard it's of not, It's less than yeah. two and a half. It's really. Like two, it was like two I felt hours. I felt like I got a full meal out of that film. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I checked the length. It was like with credits two hours and ten minutes. Wow. Which is that was bonkers really good. To yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Kid, have you I heard about this one at all? Watched oh. like because we'd both seen Carlos. Like, oh yeah, the five and a half. I love, hour version. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that movie to death. And this is like the kind of like dense uh, like political Here's filmmaking. Here's all this information yeah. being put into your face. Mm-hmm. Do not yeah. blink for a minute because you'll miss something. And Carlos moved at a, like a rapid at a clip. clip for five and a half and hours. I don't know how he cut three hours out of that movie but he did. Yeah. I, yeah, it's very bizarre. Have you seen uh, Carlo- Carlos? No. It's quite good. You should see it. What, which, what, what is Carlos? It's about the, uh, the, the assassin, the political assassin. Carlos the Jackal. Oh, okay, yes. No, but the real one, not the Bruce Willis character. Yeah, like the, 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 actual, Bruce Willis. the actual Carlos the Jackal, not some white guy from Europe. Um, but have you heard about uh, Wasp Network? Uh, I've just heard you guys talking about yeah, it. It's quite but good. it just reminded me of um, that mm-hmm. Steven Soderbergh film. that Traffic? I, no, Che, which I think Che-? people slept on as well. The um, Che was also really good. Yeah, Carlos seemed to overshadow Che. Yeah, it's like a four-hour black-and-white movie with Benicio Del Toro. It's as not black-and-white. There's black-and-white flashbacks. 
It's Wasn't it black and white? No, it's color. No, I, you're right. It is really... color. It just uh, maybe it seems washed out. It does seem a little washed out. I think well, they it depends do that on which, which section you're looking at. In the first one, it's very much a. Uh, it's it's shot in cinemascope. It's got these like artistic black and white flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. And, no, and it's, coming back. it's been a, it's been mm-hmm. almost a decade since I've seen Che, but I remember really enjoying it. I did too. And then nobody you, talks about it. Did you come with us when we went to the roadshow version of it? It was me, no, Scott, no, no, Cecilio. No. They actually gave us programs. It was at the AM, but it was still an AMC at Young and Dundas. They had, they had programs. We watched part one and part two, and there was an intermission it was really good nice yeah um i still have the program around here somewhere but yeah no i really yeah it's 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 yeah like the wasp network is a huge info dump and i am that's one of the films that i'm like i kind of was going to switch out another film for it but i was figured you might talk about it so i didn't want to so i knew we could talk about it and actually there's a film kit you i'd like and to I, watch it again like uh, yeah. with this new cut that he they've recut it again yeah because he said that he worked on it for the new york he was mm-hmm. recutting it for the new york film festival so interesting that that always bums me out. i hate see because like i saw outlocking at tiff mm-hmm. last year and i loved it and then they cut like 20 minutes out of the movie and i was like what they, they cut a whole battle out of outlocking so like i'm kind of interested to see a change i still have yet to see um uh, the final version of Abel Ferreira's Pasolini. Because mm. me and Vanessa went to go see the um, former uh, guest host, Vanessa Young. We went to go see uh, Pasolini at TIFF. And Abel Ferreira openly said, like, well, we're probably going to change it. So what would you guys like and not like? Like, he was very, very relaxed about the whole situation. Uh, yeah, speaking of um, slept mm-hmm. on films, I'd uh, add another to my uh, best of 2019. Which is that? Uh, Dolomite is my name. That's what's going to be my next film I talked about. So that's great. Dolomite is my name. Yeah, I uh, that got four stars for me, not four and a half. But yeah, um, it's, I, it's, it's it's great, fun ass movie. And it, it's on. It's been on Netflix mm-hmm. for like a month. Nobody's talking about it. Well, and I, I think, feel like it's getting slept on. Well, I think after this weekend, because they are pushing hard for Eddie Murphy to get some kind of recognition at the Oscars, which is crazy. Because it got a, it got did a he little, get a Golden Globe nomination. I even? think he did. I think because like, those are so easy to get though, and they, they hand out yeah, so many. Dolomite got definitely got because it would best. be it would be registered as a comedy, so he could be like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Golden Globes are silly. Oh, well, they're crap, and I can't, I hope because that... Because he's a comedian. <laughs> I hope that by the end, by the time this podcast goes up, Ricky Gervais is no longer hosting this year. I mean, he is, but who cares? No, no, but you, you, didn't, hear about the, the job you and... didn't hear about the controversy that, that just erupted, did you? Oh, what, what? Ricky Gervais has been the worst mm-hmm. transphobe on yeah. Twitter next to Megan Murphy. Uh... For the longest time, yeah. and apparently J.K. Rowling. Yeah, which yeah. Is, <laughs> where the hell did that come from, J.K.? Like, you were the big, like, I'm a billionaire, she's, but I give away most of my money she's to... Been trans, she's been low-key yeah. transphobe for at least a few years publicly. Because she, she was she's lesbian, been, like, gay, really positive, but, like, trans, but transgender. only yeah. retroactively, mm-hmm. like, oh, how come there were no gay characters in your novels, Wasn't J.K.? Um, there was. Dumbledore was gay the whole time. He's never talked she about it. She retrofitted that, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so Dolomite is My Name did get uh, a couple Academy Award nominations. They got... Uh, Golden Globe. They a Golden Globe. Yeah. It got Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy and uh, Musical or Comedy Motion Picture. I'm hoping Eddie Murphy gets it because he is great in the film and it's his first film in many years and it's his first good film in like 25 years or but, if not more. And he might not storm out of the ceremony. Like no, he's, he's, Girls. he's <laughs> been very chill. Like I saw an interview with him on Jimmy Fallon and he was very chill and very and like kind of jokey but just kind of like I'm an older guy now like he even points out he's like he's like because uh jimmy fallon said like is it true that you once had like a huge collection of elvis memorabilia he's like yeah when i was younger but when you get older and you just look at your crap old crap that you got in the wall it's like get this shit off my wall like why do i why do i why do i have this here why did i make those jokes like i i love his uh elvis bit and delirious uh Oh, it's been a while since I've mm-hmm. I, I saw those two stand ups when I was in my early twenties because I was like, oh, you got to watch those. Everybody watched them. Yeah. I don't remember anything mm-hmm. about them. 
You fast forward like the first fifteen minutes of homophobia mm-hmm. and AIDS jokes and delirious. The rest of the movie's golden. Speaking of, there are so like many... half the movies like his mm-hmm. James Brown impersonations. The best thing ever. His so, childhood anecdotes. Well, about what, I was, ice what, cream, I was, yeah. what I was going to say is that so many people of his generation are refusing to apologize for stuff they said in their youth. Yeah. He has apologized mm-hmm. for that, and he said it was wrong, and he yeah. said it's like. He, he didn't excuse it, but he said, like, I was young and I said something wrong and I apologize. Like, it's 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 very refreshing to hear that mm-hmm. because so many few people do. They're like, well, no, I'm not going to apologize for something I said, blah, blah, blah. You didn't have a problem with it 30 years ago. Because there was, like, there was that movie that came out a couple years ago with, like, all those stand-up comedians like Andrew Dice Clay and, like, um, Gilbert Gottfried. It was, like, some talking head documentary about... Was it The Aristocats? No, it wasn't that. It was a couple years ago. Just like a, I don't know it. B- about political correctness and straight stand-up comedy. Oh, uh, that's why I've never seen awful. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, George, bringing me to my next best film of 2019, <laughs> the Adam Carolla joint. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure no. Adam Carolla was in this documentary as well. But sorry, oh, God. but sorry, I got like a once one on like RogerEbert.com. Jeez, but but back to Dolomite is my name. The film we were talking about. It is very good. If well, you haven't seen it, check it out. It is, and it is and a, you're, you're saying Eddie Murphy's great in it. Here's here's somebody else. Wesley Snipes is fantastic. He's so, he's so funny. Like, oh my god! Every, Have you forgotten how good Wesley Snipes he, is as a comedic that's, actor? That's the crazy thing. And it's it's again it's it's uh, what was the director? It was the director of Black Snake Moan and uh, Craig Brewer. Craig Brewer, and it was written by um, by uh, by the writers behind uh, Ed Wood. Larry Karaszewski and Scott Alexander. Scott Alexander, yeah, those guys are awesome. Edward and Problem Child. Problem Child and The People vs. Larry Flint and uh, Man, Man on the Moon. Moon. Yeah, and there was some other movie they did too. Yeah, they, they just went into like the mm-hmm. biopic zone after the and Problem they, Child movies. They did. They did uh, People vs. O.J. Simpson, and doing that is what allowed them to because they wanted they've wanted to do the Dolomite film since the late nineties, and they talked to Eddie Waiting Murphy. On that People vs. Robert Blake movie. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great. Um, but they're not. But yeah, like I would say, just love this movie. It's, Greta it's, did that shit. It's yeah. it's very different from Ed Wood. Like I mean, it's got the whole like getting a gang of like oddballs together to make a movie, but it is not like a what you call it. Um, it, it. It's very different from Ed Wood, but it's very great. And they also like uh, Larry Karzuski and Scott Alexander said. They cribbed scenes from the Human Tornado. Like uh, you didn't, you, have, you haven't seen Dolomite is my name, have you? No, I haven't. Guess what we're watching after we're done recording? Oh snap! Maybe we could. Um, anyways, it's uh, it's really really good. Uh, but they cribbed scenes from Human Tornado and they used the catchphrase "Put your weight on it," which put a smile on my face <laughs> so much. But it's they do yeah, and it's and it's great to see Eddie Murphy being listen to Disco Godfather if you haven't already. Oh, I love that movie so much. But it's it's just it's great to see Eddie Murphy being the kind he's of having fun. He's having fun. He's having fun. This, but yeah. I also feel like he's matured and evolved into a different kind of comedian. There are some points mm. where his character needs to show a little, I don't know, like he's tact. Uh, you know, I missed I missed my uh, I missed my jump. You know, I'm an old guy now, and I guess yeah. this is it. You know, I'm just going to be an old Cause, guy. Because we got to remember, like Rudy Moore was not a, a spring chicken when he had. Oh, no, he was in his forties. He had already had like. Uh, like in the army, he was known as the the Harlem hillbilly because he played country songs. But mm-hmm. um, and he he did like a whole bunch of en- like on, uh, enterprises before having Dolomite happen. And even Dolomite, it was the the character Dolomite that he he turned into a stand up comedian and released comedy albums that became underground hits that allowed him to finance Dolomite. Um, so yeah, so Dolomite is my name is also on my list. Um, I guess I'll go to my next one, uh, which will be what are you talking about next? Um, the Alex Ross Perry film Her Smell. Oh, this is uh, I was the one I was going to talk about next too. Oh, I love that movie. Like it's it's one of those films like 
you see it and for the I didn't know you've seen it oh yeah I I went to go see it by myself in the middle of the day at TIFF sweet and I just I love the hell out of it it was such a a, a, hang on I should say when I first started watching it I'm like I hate this person to death and then the movie Mm. keeps going and I'm like oh if the movie ended now it'd be good and then it kept going and I'm like Oh, it kept going. That's good. But if it ended now, it'd be great. And it kept going. I'm like, thank God it kept going because I like I like the fact that it was five like, acts, five acts in a movie, acts, not hours, five acts. I know, but still, that's a lot of acts. But it's it actually makes it's two sense. Two and a half hours. When you, when that's, you, a, that's a Shakespeare play, sir. Uh, it, it is a Shakespeare play. Like yeah, when you it truly when you is. yeah yeah. When you, that's Richard the Second. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's I actually yeah, think she's I don't more. Alex Ross Perry commits to the, the yeah. five act structure, and it works. And like pretty much every the denouement. It, but it's like, it, but it's also like five scenes. Like it's, it's quite, yeah, it's good. I really, Lots really dug it. Takes and swirling cameras. And there's like one of those things where you're like, when you think like, is there anything you can cut out of this? No, not really. Yeah, I. This was like one of like the. Mm-hmm. This is my my one, feeling about the Irishman, by the yeah. way. Just, this is the second of okay. the three divisive movies of 2019. Because mm-hmm, some people like, hated it. Sure, like there were like mass walkouts at uh, TIFF, Tiff when it played. But my whole thing is like, just wait. 20 minutes and you'll understand why that pain that yeah. you had at the start is now important yeah. yeah like that motion sickness you're feeling <laughs> it'll go away and it'll yeah. pay off trust yeah. me yeah is it, is it like irreversible then no the opening is, <laughs> they, well like the opening just has a very a floating camera mm-hmm. and be and it's like in the the main character is on drugs for the first she's, for the, she's very corny love ass yes it's, it's, it's sounding like irreversible mm-hmm no, it's not. It's not her first. Uh, although, who is it? Because Elizabeth Moss was interviewed about like what character, and she's like, it actually, she's like Courtney Love. Of course, we looked at, but it wasn't Courtney Love so much. As no. it, I think it was Axl Rose. I could see that. Um, yeah. Great soundtrack too. I love the music of it. I love yeah, how there's so a character good. that's clearly supposed to be like a feist-like character, where she started out doing like indie rock and then became a, a glamorous um, ingenue or something or chanteuse right 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 um, uh, who's played by the uh, I know the actress what, fuck what's her name oh my god I swore yeah uh, I'm totally blanking now like Cara Delevingne has a uh, supporting mm-hmm. role as like the as a band that's influenced by the quote unquote whole-esque band whole slash Slater Kinney to a degree because there's yeah. only three of them yeah. And the whole was really just the Courtney Love show. I, I guess it could be a Slater-Kinney dynamic based on Janet Weiss leaving Slater-Kinney yeah, yeah, yeah. now that we know more about the Slater-Kinney the dynamic. Whole, yeah, that whole situation. I, I did not know about uh, the Slater-Kinney dynamic, but that's not a band I've ever really enjoyed. No, your loss. Um, <laughs> Is it? Yes. Um, but no, yeah, see her smell. It, it's it's really good. I really enjoyed it. That I never thought hearing a Brian Adams co- cover could, hey, yeah, could that, 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 kill my soul. Oh, so, my God, that was brutal. Because as soon as she starts playing, but in a good way, what, in a what good cover? way. What cover, though? Heaven. Heaven. Spoiler alert! Because like she's fourth act. Because she she's like she plays heaven. It's not. Have you ever really loved a woman? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but like as soon as she starts playing, I'm like, oh my god, she's playing a Brian Adams song, and it's awesome. Like in it's, context, it's, just like, it's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm just like, because I've talked to other people that have seen it, and they're just like, yeah, that was amazing. Like who would have thought that cheesy ass Brian Adams song? Mm could become something so deep and so important and it was really good and I loved it yeah like um, Eric Stoltz his first uh, he actually his first uh, terrific performance in years in a long time probably since um, I'd say Rules of Attraction he was pretty good in that I guess so yeah, yeah. it's been that long yeah um, 2002 and uh, She-Wolf from uh, 
Glow plays the drummer in. Uh, oh, really? Small. I didn't know that. Yeah, like, like who's that? Is that she will Sheila she will from mm-hmm. Glow. I don't remember way, her character. By the way, name, Sheila's but... arc in Glow season three when she burns. I haven't her... watched season oh, okay. three yet. I, just, I may have ruined something. But you, she, you can spoil for me. Yeah, the, okay. uh, the she gives up the she burns all of her wolf stuff. Oh snap! Okay, she gives it up because she yeah. realized that it's not. She thought it was the thing that was keeping her strong, mm-hmm. but she realized now it's the thing that's holding okay. her back. It's really good. Um, and it's great. It was great seeing Virginia Madsen again. Yeah, she was really good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was all around great. Did yeah. you know that Eric, um, not Eric Stoltz, because he was in it, but uh, Mark Marin was up for the Eric Stoltz role in that film. I could totally see that. And he interviewed uh, <laughs> Alex Ross Perry about it, and he's like, so you know I was up for a role in that film, and Alex Ross Perry was like, yeah, I know. And then he was just like, uh, Mark Marin was like, yeah, I think Eric did a better job than I would have. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe, maybe. Um, I would have enjoyed Mark Maron in it nevertheless, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, it would have been great. Well, Mark Maron's brief appearance in Joker is great. Like when he just is... He's, I haven't he's, seen it. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing. Eh, that's not on my list. Seen. No spoiler. No, but it's not on my list of, of best of the year. But he, he was great in it for like the few scenes that he was there when he was Robert De Niro's basically uh, producer on the show. Um, I, I will watch Joker mm-hmm. eventually, yeah. but... It's got great. I'm not in a rush. It's got great production design, great performances, actually great cinematography. Just the story is poo poo. Gang, I I will tell you, I took a weight off my shoulders and a weight off my mind when I decided to myself, I am not going to watch a Marriage Story anytime soon. Cool. I haven't <laughs> seen that. Was it. one of my worst movies of 2019. See, I'm, I haven't I'm seen it. I'm alone in this. I've heard lots of good things, but again, it looks dreadful. But and again, I, I, I'm, the I'm guy speaking that's... as a Noah Bombach, Bombach. apologist. See, I like I'm, Noah Bombach. I'm, I'm not a Bombach fan. He's underrated. I'm not a... Was that a Bombach film? Margot at the Wedding was, yes. I kind of like that one as well. Yeah, it's pretty good. And that's uh, mostly malign. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm thinking Bombach. of Rachel getting married. Um, no, not, no, yeah. It's the yeah. same era, though. Yeah. The same era, same idea. Not the, the same. The only Noah Bombach... This is, this is Jennifer Jason Leigh yeah. era. Before he uh, he uh, decided he needed a newer wife. Yeah. Um... I don't know if they Slight were dick. married yet, but I think this was like their first collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the first movie he did after Squid mm-hmm. the Whale. Oh, which I also remember liking, but then again, I have not watched again since two thousand six. Yeah, I um the only Noah Baumbach film that I absolutely loved was Mistress America. Never saw. So, that was a fun one. That yeah. one was really good. Me, me and mm-hmm. uh, occasional contributor to the podcast, uh, occasional guest, uh, Vanessa Young. Uh, I know. You saw I was there, movie. too. You were there? Okay. I was there, yeah. Oh, my God. How yeah. did I forget yeah. about you? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, thanks, guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so since I picked her smell, what's your next film, uh, Phil? Uh, okay, the third of the divisive uh, trilogy of 2019, mm-hmm. High Life. The first Ooh. English language movie by I have Claire not Denise. seen it because when it played a TIFF last year, uh, everyone I talked to said they walked out of it. So I understand it. They don't know the film. Exactly. They don't know the film. That's I agree. Right. They should have stuck. My whole thing is like stick to the end so you can judge a film. That was like me with the stand up at Sparrow Creek. I was into it, into it, into it. Hated the ending, but I'm like. Thank God I didn't jet early or something because I, otherwise I would have been. Trying to imagine the theater goer that is like, man, I've really enjoyed the first two thirds of this movie. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm out now before they ruin it. Yeah. I just want to like, live in this version of this movie right now. But yes, highlight. I, I tend to use uh, Cinema Clock uh, as a reference for like what, as a sort of a quick reference of like what's playing at any given mm-hmm. time. And they have uh, user reviews and it's 
honestly the lowest rated movie I've ever Ooh. seen on Cinema Clock. I think it was like two point one out of but, ten. But it's was clear the to me. So like you're you're yes. guaranteed to if even if you don't like the film to see something that you are not expecting. Exactly. And even by Claire Denis standards, it is inaccessible, which is saying a lot. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the fact that it's hit multiplexes. That's, and, that to me is, is that, wild. that gives that, me faith in humanity yeah. that that hit multiplexes. Mm-hmm. Just for the uh, the mm. kind of wannabe cinephiles like myself, um, what did Claire Denis do again? I know the name, and I'm just trouble trying... every day. Okay, uh, uh, something. The sh- Intruder. Yep. How uh, many shots of rum? Can't sleep. Uh, is it forty five shots of rum? Thirty five shots, shots, shots of rum. Uh, white material. Yeah. Isabelle Huppert. Mm-hmm. Um, Chocolat from Chocolat. the late eighties. There not you go. No, right not there. not the Johnny Depp yeah. Chocolat. Oh, so I have heard of none of these films. Uh, Boat Travail. Yeah. Trouble Every Day is pretty dope. I won't lie. Um, Love Trouble Every Day. Yeah, 35 Shots of Rum is pretty Bastards good, too. Bastards is another one. Oh, Bastards. Yeah, I remember that one. Is that the first time I'm hearing of any of this. There's mm-hmm. uh, Let the Sunshine In with Juliet Bin- another Juliette Binoche uh, mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, yeah. Claire Denis was a, a, a French film. Uh, well, I mean, still a French filmmaker, but uh, High Life was her English language debut. Well, before she went out on her own as a director, she was an assistant director on two... Uh, Vim Vendors' most iconic movies, Paris, Texas, and Wings of Desire. Oh, at least yeah. I've heard of those. God, I love those movies so much. Incredible so movies. Fun fact, most people don't realize this, but Paris, Texas has the same color scheme as Suspiria. Oh, how did I not notice this? I rewatched <laughs> I Paris, Texas I like know. a month ago. Because I, I mentioned uh, a film that uh, that that I directed that uh, Kit was the star of, Christmas Steve. I talked about it recently. I'm like, so I've got red lights and green lights, and it's like, oh, like Paris, Texas, and I'm like, oh my god, this is the same uh, color scheme as Amelie as, as Suspiria. No, oh, well, Amelie is all red and green. Um, mm, but, no, but, no, we studied this in film school. I know, I, I know I it is, it is. Well. I'm not denying it, but I'm not not and, to the extremeness. Um, also, most Christmas movies. Yeah. Also, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, another fun fact about Paris, Texas. Yeah. LM Kit Carson, who would revise the screenplay of Sam Shepard's for Paris, Texas, he went on to write the screenplay for Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Oh yes. All in the family. Which is which is directly referenced in the Child's Play reboot from this year. That was a nice touch. Uh, Yeah, I still haven't seen that. I gotta watch that. And uh, you need to watch the original, sir. And spoiler (laughs) alert for the Child's Play reboot: uh, New Chucky becomes uh, this malfunctioning Chucky doll becomes uh, quickly corrupted by the viewing of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. (laughs) <laughs> nice nice that's funny. see that's awesome that's great so, yeah. I, I really like that shout out to Texture mm-hmm. Massacre 2 that's mm-hmm. a death by video approved at least by half of us the TCM 2 yeah 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 of course I think for all of us I, I still did we watch it. that on the podcast no we didn't no we haven't we saw four <laughs> I, I still haven't seen it, but it's a it's a weird film because it means mm-hmm. a lot to me because when I was a kid, I saw the movie poster a lot because I had a magazine with it and, in it. And then you realize that it's the Breakfast Club. I had no I, yeah. I had no concept of the Breakfast yeah. Club. I just saw this poster and I'm mm-hmm. like, that's so freaky. I don't know what's going on here. I'm yeah. so interested. Mm-hmm. I never ended up seeing the movie, but the poster means a lot that's to me. That's good. That's good. All right. So my next film on my list, uh, we did I'll do a Canadian film, probably the only Canadian film on my list, Mouthpiece. Has anyone seen it? 
I've not. So Mouthpiece is from the same director as I've Heard the Mermaids Calling or Singing. Let me look it up right now. Um, it is based on an original play that was mounted in Toronto that was seen by the... So uh, Patricia Roz, Rosima directed the film. Uh, she is a well-known Canadian filmmaker who, uh, even though I just had to look up her name, sorry guys, my memory is a little shot, but she did I've Heard the Mermaids Singing which was a landmark 1987 Canadian film. She also directed When the Night is Falling, uh, Yo-Yo Ma, inspired by Bach, Six Gestures. She directed Mansfield Park, which is probably her best-known right. best film. And she did... She, she had a, a dip into uh, uh, American films with Kit Cartridge and American Girl, the 2008 film, which was an adaptation of the Kit Cartridge novels, starring... Is that a Dakota Fanning movie? Uh, Abigail Breslin, actually. Okay. Yeah. And I think who else started in it, too? Uh, Chris O'Donnell, Joan Cusack, Stanley Tucci. So she had... And she also directed a few episodes of In Treatment, uh, Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, Mozart in the Jungle, Anne with an E, that's the uh, the new reboot of Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. And she did mouthpiece. So mouthpiece, uh, to sum it up, it is the the most difficult thing is when I watched it and when I heard it was a play. I'm like, I can see like how they ever were able to translate it from a stage production to a filmic production mm-hmm. is amazing to me. Usually that doesn't work out. It, Usually yes. you're watching the movie and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this was a play, obviously. Well, the interesting thing yeah. is that they they uh, yeah, like Glengarry Glenn Ross is mm-hmm. stage, but it works as a movie as well. But. It, yeah, Glengarry Glenn Ross pulls yeah. it off, even mm-hmm. though it's like, but there are. I remember there was a Anthony they Hopkins Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. movie, and it's like, oh yeah, this is obviously a stage play. Yeah. They could almost yeah. just film the stage production; mm-hmm. it would have been fine. So the interesting thing is that um, when the the film kind of came about because Jodie Foster got involved. Mm-hmm. So Jodie Foster and Patricia uh, Rosema, Rosema um, they basically had dinner in Toronto, and she had heard about <laughs> That's a this great catalyst. By the way, she uh, Jodie Foster got Patricia. Involved. Patricia had heard about um, this play called Mouthpiece and recommended it to, J- to Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster went to go see it and said, "Oh my God, it's amazing!" Put her name on on the production and then connected the um, the the director with the the leads of the play, the actresses who are also the writers of the film. And they basically threw everything from the play out dialogue-wise and had to strip it down and redo it to, to make it work as a film. And it, it's a true adaptation because it changes, it makes it less theatrical and makes it actually filmic. And the, the reason why it's called Mouthpiece is because it's two women playing the same role at the same time, mm-hmm. but they're two sides of this, this woman's personality. Yeah. And it's a woman dealing with uh, her mother's sudden death yeah. over the holidays. So there's a lot, or not over the holiday, but like over a winter in Toronto. It is a really great Toronto film. Like they ride their bike in a uh, in bike lanes, like past you know where Honest Ed's used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so it's it's really I, I I dug it to death, and I think that both of the, the lead uh, actors in the film are going on to much greater things. They are before I forget, um, Amy Nost Bracken as Cassandra and Nora Sadava as Cassandra as well. They are amazing. I really can't hype up this film as, as much as I did. It was a total surprise. I went on a, on a lark. And I think that uh, Patricia Rosma is probably one of our least known but most valuable Canadian filmmakers right now. Okay. So, Phil, what else have you seen that you want to talk about from this year? Uh, this is a slipped-on movie, but it's also not a particularly important movie. But I had a lot of fun, nevertheless. There's a movie called Greta. Which oh, came out? Yes, that was uh, Isabel Huppert and um, Chloe, Chloe Grace, Grace Moretz. Moretz. Yeah. 
a shot in partially shot in Toronto movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Isabelle Huppert was in uh, Tiff and uh, watched your and yep. Kit's. She movie. yes, she watched. Uh, um, but then he spoke. That's right, she did. I know. Oh my good God! It's amazing. amazing she was shooting Greta. Yeah, <laughs> so it's amazing to think she that probably took uh, something from that performance. That, that Isabel Hubert, the the legendary French actress, watched our film. That's, yeah, that's blowing my mind because I, I just remember right? that now. <laughs> it? Yeah, it's one of the things that seems surreal because when I when I was even there, I'm like, oh oh crap! Like, uh, who was the other one that, that watched it that I knew? Um, the actress. Uh, Oh my god! Like Director X, one of the other Dire- guys. Director X was there. He was there in person. <laughs> director of Northern Touch by the Rascals. Director, true, yes. director He's X like is... hundred other music videos since then, but nevertheless, Director Northern X, Touch. Director X's thrust. bodyguard yes. shoved me out of the way as he was walking by, and I'm like, I'm a director too. <laughs> he was Little X at the time. I'm Director G. <laughs> director G, you should just go with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm but... higher up in the alphabet. Screw you, X. Mick G. Yeah, no. no, no, no. Just G, man. Just G. Um, but yeah, no, no. That's it's it's still surreal to think because whenever I talk to people, they're like, "Oh, you got into TIFF? That must have been crazy." I'm like, "It kind of was." Yeah. Um, the party was it was a bit of a underwhelming because it was like, okay, so it's for two hours from this time to this time, and then they closed the bar and they gave us a drink ticket too. Mm-hmm. It was like you get one free drink and then you have to pay for the rest. And I'm like. Okay. <laughs> but uh, true to form of yes. many a shot in Toronto Greta, yes, yes, movie, yes, yes. half of the Toronto scenes in Greta are shot in Lower Bay Station. <laughs> yes, I love Lower Bay Station. Same here. Anytime I get to go through there when they're doing construction. I love it. It's, it's like, oh my God. It's like what, what the, the DTC could have looked like. Oh, Dark Man. Shitty white tiles, yeah. Yes. Dark Man or the taking of the Pell M123 yes. 1998. Or uh, what's the other one? Wait, um, there was there was a taking of Pelham One Two Three released in 1998. It was a uh, it was a uh, dur- dude. Dur- it was a TV adaptation with um, uh-huh. Ever James Olmos, I think. Ed- yes, and on top of that, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh God, I'm blanking on his name. I know the, this actor. He was in Law and Order: Criminal Intent for years. He was um, private pi- no private pile in. Uh, um, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio, oh, yes. Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofs, yes. Yeah. He was in uh, the Death Wish remake. Oh. The Death Wish, which I liked. I remember we talked about that, yeah. Yep. Phil Death Wish uh, Bard- Bardek. Um, Sorry, I, I got to no, no, say it. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I still haven't watched it. I will watch it and then let you know what I think. So, so yes. So, Greta, uh, why did you? Uh, why are you including it? You know what? It's inessential. It's at the bottom of my list. But you know what? I enjoyed it. It's that That's perfect balance part. of genuinely creepy and mm-hmm. insanely campy. And uh, I saw it. It was a five dollar Tuesday matinee, and it just, just it was just what I needed. Chef's kiss. It was, it was, yeah, it was like at the end of winter of mm-hmm. twenty nineteen, and it just it was just what I needed. Cool. Um, I can't really elaborate on that. It's mm-hmm. yeah. nice. So, Kit, if you don't have one off the top of your head, I have a film that we both saw that I included on my top. Oh, I've, got, I've got one here that might as well. I'll just chuck it in. Okay, what is it? Uh, the Lighthouse. Yeah, I, I like that I, film. Well, I didn't see enough film, so it's good enough to make my uh, <laughs> good, my top. Good enough. I that was good. I gave it four I, stars. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I gave it a three and a half. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'd say that's, it's a solid three and a half, and I'm I think I'm cheating giving it four. 
Um, but I mean, I just enjoyed it. If it was a lesser, if it was a lesser year, it would have wound up in my top ten easily. Like I, I but, like Willem Dafoe is delightful. Mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson does some 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 good work. Mm-hmm. Interesting accent choices. Yeah. yeah, it goes all over the place. Don't know where he's from for most of the film. <laughs> yeah. is, he's from Boston, I think, somewhere. <laughs> oh no, he's he's Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's a lumberman doing in a sea or a lighthouse? Um, yeah, I uh, wanting to be a wiki. Um, I yeah, like like that film. Um, it's interesting because uh, his previous film, The Witch, which I still haven't seen. Oh, I do need to it's see. Re- it's yeah, better than yeah, the lighthouse. Yeah. It's really really good. It it just barely made my best of the decade. It barely didn't make my best of the decade. It's like if there's a ten point one, it's in that that ten point one spot. The Witch was a ninety minute movie. The Lighthouse could have been a ninety minute movie. And yeah. I swear by that. I, yeah. I agree. I think uh, it yeah. might have been better. Like, well, I, I think he just was like, I'm going to be as weird as I want. I think his whole thing was like, they're going to let me do whatever I want, so I'm going to make the weirdest thing possible. I, I remember the scene where yeah. Robert Pattinson finally kills that seagull. Finally, it's just like, oh, fuck this yeah. seagull. And he just starts <laughs> smashing it's it on great. the... great. Oh, my good God. Well, he just does it. He's <laughs> just like, brutal. And then Willem Dafoe was like, don't... reaction. You? I was like, oh, Jesus. Jesus. It's <laughs> very visceral. Don't it's... mess with the seagulls. There's bad luck. And, like, and then he just like destroys this seagull really destroys it yeah and it's great um and then he makes the scene where he makes willem dafoe his dog is awesome oh, that yeah that that's getting rough where he like that's, he uh, literally puts willem dafoe on a leash and has him crawl no yeah the way. that's it's just <laughs> it's getting, getting rough it's getting dark by that point you're like oh my god what is happening in this movie this is yeah. so dark when are we going to give willem dafoe another oscar has he ever gotten one? Yeah, uh, well, that was uh, Platoon, best supporting actor. I don't, yeah. I don't know if he won that. I think he didn't win it. Or he was nominated. He was nominated for sure. He didn't win for uh, Florida Project, Florida Project, which he should have. I don't know if he's ever. God won. darn it! The Florida Project should have been the, I, well, best of the we'll, decade as well. But we'll, it's, we'll figure this out. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if we'll survive. But um, okay, so for my next film. So, well, but, Yes, lighthouse. Any, okay, I guess that's uh, that's it. No, no, we can talk more about the lighthouse. Yeah. We can talk as much as we no, want about no, it. No, I think uh, I think funny that's accents, it. men slow dancing together. Uh, yes, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, scene was was, that scene was Lots great. Of drinking. I mean, really, you like my food? <laughs> it is in its essence. I mean, if if you've ever had to uh-huh. uh, live with another person, just you and another guy. I, I lived with my brother a for a year. Yeah. Roommate. Not yes, but I mean, it's just that it's it's such a good movie about roommates in a way. That's true. Yeah. It's we, just like, man, you you do really get on each other's nerves. You do get weird together for a while. Yeah. I mean, not not, not necessarily way, about no. you're gonna make out. Well, but that, you, that's like well, you that's, start losing your inhibitions and you start just making weird noises and stuff. Well, and, that's like when I when I lived at Queen and Bathurst, my roommate was a 43 year old drug dealer, and uh, yeah, that's not the best. Situation. Yeah, it was not the best situation. I had to learn fast how to just like survive in that situation where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to the living room. I will cook quietly in the kitchen and then uh, retreat to my bedroom. And the place was overrun with mice. Anything else you want to talk about the lighthouse? But no. I, I like your analogy of like it just dealing with roommates. It's it's kind of true. a movie yeah. about roommates. It is. Your farting older roommate that you just have to deal with, who knows the house better than you do. And no, uh, Willem Dafoe has never won an Oscar. Bummer. Maybe he'll get it this year because he, he, he really was good. should. Mm. I feel like he's. It's gonna get. Like, like, they're gonna give it to friggin' Al Pacino, who also did a really good performance mm-hmm. in friggin' uh, The Irishman. And I'm going to be like, ah, just give it to Willem Dafoe instead. I, yeah, I give really it enjoyed Al Pacino and The Irishman, though. Ugh. Ten Look minutes late is acceptable. 15 Look at is this. Not. Look at this for Willem Dafoe. 
Nominated for four Academy Awards, zero wins. Nominated mm-hmm. for one BAFTA Award, zero wins. Nominated for three Golden Globe Awards, zero wins. Nominated for four SAG Awards, zero wins. This yeah. is a crime against humanity. I think he should you have won. Think that he would have given, mm-hmm. They would have given it to him for like Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, you'd think he was nominated. Yeah, back to there back was, to, and he was also in, pa- in uh, Pasolini as Pierre Pasolini, and he was really good. He in that. played T.S. Eliot in the '90s in some movie mm-hmm. that nobody remembers, but he won and was nominated for an Oscar for it. And I think he should have won the Oscar for Streets of Fire, to be honest, in my humble oh, opinion. Oh, for sure. Or for yeah. Platoon. I mean, he's he's so really good in Platoon. Dying L.A. Dying L.A., yeah. He's a really good actor. So As Jesus H. Christ. Yeah, oh, Jesus right. H. Christ in, in, in uh, uh, The Last Temptation. Yeah. He was great in that Jesus Horatio Christ. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, Graham, what's okay, your next so film? Okay, so my next film is a film that you and I saw together. It is by the... Uh, uh, I this, I was considering... I gave it three and a half stars, but I, it's, I agree. It's, it's the veteran Takashi Miyakai. It's You always know you're in for something special with him. It is his film from this year, which actually, oddly enough, is one of the few Japanese... Because I, I, I recently filmed the commercial at the Japanese-Canadian Cultural Center, and they were screening First Love that week. And I talked to the their head of film programming there, and he's like... It's crazy. Like, First Love is one of the few Japanese films that actually has North American distribution. Mm-hmm. And it actually has a release in North America because it actually premiered at TIFF, played at the Lightbox afterwards. It's played throughout the States. It's premiering in Japan in January. So it's a wow. Japanese film that actually got released in North America first. first I, hope it, I hope it does well. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I, I, it's a great film. Like, I, you know, he's like 120 films deep or yeah. something. Well, I think it's officially he's 112. He's done, like, as a, he was... Close enough. Yeah. He's done family films. He's done all sorts he's of different stuff. Yeah. He's, he's done family films. He's done really, like, torture porn. He's, he's done... Been, been, even Eli Roth has <laughs> dipped into family yeah. films in the last couple of years. Oh, has he? The House yeah, of the Clock on Its Walls. Yeah. It oh, was a, God, a that was him. knockoff, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, First Love tells the story of a boxer who has an injury during a fight and is basically told, like, if you ever fight again, you will die. No, no. He's, oh, wait, he's, he's, oh, yes, he's, he's, he's like, you have brain cancer. You're right. going to die. You're going to die, yeah. And yeah, yeah. if you continue boxing, that'll you're, just speed it up. You'll die faster. So he's kind of at his wit's end, and he comes across this girl that's being pursued by a guy, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to live much longer. I'll just, I'll, screw it, I'll get involved. And he gets involved, and it's great, and they go on this crazy, insane overnight invention. And then he finds out that he doesn't have cancer. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he's like, oh, what have I done? And now I'm scared for I'm, my life. I'm screwed. Like, there, there's nothing else I can do. And there's, cra- there's like, Yakuza gangs. Screw and, drugs <laughs> and the girl keeps having a like these because she's uh was basically sold into prostitution and like just uh, she's, a, forced, she's yeah forced she's into a drug, drug addiction uh, so she keeps exactly. having visions of her father dancing in his underwear which is absurd just, and hilarious at it's times absurd yeah. hilarious and disturbing because her father used to uh, abuse her yeah, yeah there's this whole it's a it's a wild movie and she thinks that this boxer is her first love which he is not and it's 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 interesting because every time the movie thinks it's gonna, you think it's gonna go down an unwatchable path, like when that guy makes the girl take her pants off and then she just beats the crap out of him. Yeah, that's a great scene because you're like, oh no, he's gonna include a scene of sexual violence, and then it just turns around and she just beats the crap out of the guy that's that's about to abuse her. Like it's it's a you yeah, her character was a lot of fun too. Oh, Old so dogs good. can you learn new tricks. Yeah, and like, uh, but but that's Takashi Miyakai, man. Like he he knows how to make. A, a, a good film and like he he's not the same filmmaker he was when he was making Ichi the Killer and Gozu and Visitor Q or Audition um, and like because I, I think he's been stellar for a while I loved his film Yakuza well, I loved his films Yakuza Apocalypse he goes Apocalypse. through phases he has interests he pursues them he gets deep he into them he had his gross he, late 90s yeah. early 2000s phase but I loved a Blade of the Immortal that which was his last big premiere film which was just dynamite I loved his film Yakuza Apocalypse um, he has the he has the only distinction 
He has the distinction of being the only filmmaker in the history of the Toronto International Film Festival going from Midnight Madness to their Masters program, like Masters of Cinema, back to Midnight back Madness. Back to Midnight Madness. Yeah. yeah, I love him, and I love that film, and I'm so glad I saw it. And I'm so glad we saw it at midnight at Midnight Madness. It was a fun at, night. Director was it in-house. He came out dancing a yeah, jig, wearing a panda dancing. hat. Yeah. He was actually he was sitting one row behind us. I know, which yeah. is really amazing. Yeah, he, I was, he just, was great. I'm sad I did, I'm... You know, lamenting the fact that I didn't make it out to the screening because I wanted to see it, but it was just... we'll we'll watch it again. Like I, I that that we got to do a full proper episode on that movie because it's so good. Yeah, it was it was a solid movie. I yeah. I, I definitely want to rewatch because there's mm-hmm. a lot going on in that movie too. There's so, <laughs> so much, much yeah. I can't even remember it all. So many plot things, and I love how like the it's, guy. It reminded me of those like mid aughts movies where it's like you, there was a lot of bad ones like um a lucky number eleven, but when there's or, a good uh, one or smoke and aces, mm-hmm. but it was like done well, done like yeah. those, but done better like well, the coen me, brothers me, doing one of those me, movies yeah to me it's like a coen brothers movie more so than it a, very much was guy yeah. Ritchie one. yeah it's, it's like if if guy Ritchie, like a good guy Ritchie movie as opposed like to a if, bad if one guy Ritchie, if it's like if the coen brothers directed lock stock and two smoking barrels that's the hey, best lock stock is a good movie and david lynch was the second unit director yeah have you seen lock stock recently it's been a while leave it in your memory we'll put it that way okay yeah i saw it in high school it, it got me some... I remember in high school... I, I saw it in high school. the soundtrack <laughs> at some point. It got me some street cred in high... Not really street cred. <laughs> no. I watched Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, like, I got it on VHS. You want to borrow it? <laughs> I, I had it on... Usual suspects. Rented it from Roger's video. It's had it on sick. DVD. I watched it oh, wow. by, my, by myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have it on DVD. I rented it. Yeah. And then uh, the boys came over, and I was like a year younger because they're my brother's... Mm-hmm friends and you um, showed them what was what and they're you know smoking weed and drinking and i hadn't quite started doing that stuff yet listen to you guys watching swordfish and i'm like here's hey you guys want to watch a cool movie mm-hmm. and they're like oh, okay and we all went down we watched lock stock and two smoking barrels and everybody loved it it was mm-hmm. like immediately everybody's favorite film this is before snatch and all of yeah. that and uh yeah it's quite good cool. the guy richie had two good films snatch was good i'd Monster say rock good. madonna came along i'd say rock and roll up wasn't bad rock and roller was half good i'll put it that way i i feel like there could have been more there and he promised a sequel and it never and happened. It never happened no she influenced his creative direction and <laughs> oh and he was today. like i'm just gonna make uh sherlock holmes movies until they tell me to stop and then they told mm-hmm. him to stop doing and those. then he made aladdin oh god yeah he did do that yep Oh, yep. guy. He yeah. knows where the money is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> make sure he so can pay off swept away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God. You can't pay off swept away when it comes to your soul. Um, That's true. So that being said, Phil, what is your next film on your list? Oh. I know it's not Midsommar. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on my list either. Don't worry. Good don't pull. worry. Don't worry. Uh, I think we've covered everything for 2019. Really? Yeah. I've got a few more. What, uh, let's, I, you know, cause, uh, Midsummer's on, uh, my four star list and I feel like it deserves three and a half stars, but, uh, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's, talk, let's talk about it. Um, we saw it together and then Phil saw it without us. Um, I, I was on a very mm-hmm. good edible at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of, and it was a matinee, it was a matinee show. It was middle was of the it? day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me and you just decided we're like, ah, let's go see the two <laughs> o'clock screening of Midsummer. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I, uh, ate a half an edible. And uh, mm-hmm. we went in, and I just kind of uh, melted into my seat. You let and the waves take over you. You, just really, you, you surf that me. midsummer wave. So all by the, the time there, that that whole mushroom escapade is going yeah. on, and I'm like sitting there, like, yeah, that is kind of what mushrooms are like. Yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> this. 
Um, it gets so silly that you you do have to laugh at the movie. As and soon as you show up to a place and people are wearing starched white like clothing, <laughs> I'm like, just turn around and walk away. This is a cult. This is a cult. Turn around and skedaddle on back. But I like the the folk horror. Oh, I love folk horror thing, and I I I think this is a decent entry into that. I do think it gets a bit goofy, <laughs> but uh, Ari Aster does this thing where he's like he he's he, obsessed with he naked combines, boomers. Yeah. And they naked get, boomers. Well, I know it's your number one fear, yeah. Well, just hiding in the shadows and like, not moving. Those are a big thing in 2019 movies, as I'm sure you'll get into. Well, I think it's because, so, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to take a brief pause. I'm going to talk about my theory about why cults are becoming a thing. Because I well, they've feel... They've always been a thing. Though. I know, but, but why I think they're becoming more prominent now is like, I feel just that... Like movies about them or actual movies cults? And, and the, the, the actual rise of cults are rising now. Are they? Yes, I they feel are. Like, yes, they are. Yes, they are. I feel like this yes, is a Geraldo piece no, 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 from no. like the late no, 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 no. They're right, but not not cults that you think like devil worshippers. But like, it's like Andrew Keegan's cults. Okay, but here here's like why the Tulsi Gabbard cult or so, something like uh, that, listen, or the Andrew the Yang or the Nixium or whatever the the <laughs> the, 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 the the cult that that actress from Smallville was in. But my my whole, the reason why I think Nexium. those Nexium, yeah the reason why I think those cults are rising is because we've moved like because human beings need a form of religion in some way or another some way or another we always even if we move away from it we bring it back somehow and I feel that like with our current shift towards digital secularism like we're we're not we're abandoning I hate to say traditional religions but we we are abandoning the organized religions that we had that our parents had and that our grandparents had but I feel that like now in this digital age of isolation we are turning more and more to these small specified things that are like just to you because someone that you and i know kid i won't mention them by name has started a cult oh i think i know who you probably do and it's like and it's something where everyone's like no 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 they're just teaching yoga i'm like Mm. no they're talking about changing your life and yeah, but I, I I often feel that about people who mm-hmm. uh, who get really into yoga and, and that kind of pseudo spirituality and sort yeah. of like that weird kind of mindfulness. Yoga is a good workout. It's not a, like it's, but it's it's very um, yeah. I think it's I think it's because you know it, it is we're funny. trying we're trying to latch on to something as, as a society right now. And I think people are like latching on to like something where they think makes like elevates them um, artificially. They'll latch on to. And that, that's why I think where like, this is coming Like, we from. sell a bunch of these books by this guy. I think his name's Anthony Williams. He calls himself the medical medium. Ah, uh, yes, him. Um, celery juice, man. Yeah, celery juice, which is a complete bogus, by the way. <laughs> celery juice is not a thing that you should try celery, doing. Jesse. It's just, just eat celery. I mean, if you want the benefits of celery, just eat celery. Celery juice basically takes all the bad parts of celery you know and celery, puts them in a drink for the you. The cost of celery juice. <laughs> it's, it's a stupid people idea. buying celery to make celery juice has actually upped the cost of celery across the board. That is obscene. That's like the cheapest thing of produce you could get for the it's longest time. It's not cheap time. anymore. I know. It's like three bucks now. Yeah. That's fine with me because celery is awful. I love celery. The I remember when it was like a dollar fifty in like two years ago. I remember when it was ninety nine cents, man. I don't even put I them in my price chopper. I don't even put them in my Caesars, man. I don't like them. Okay. But um, yeah, this this guy Anthony Williams and his whole deal uh, is that there's a spirit that talks only to me and tells me these medical secrets long before medical science can get them. And people buy his books, of course, because it's just that's just nonsense. That uh, mm. vaccines are bad too. Yeah, they do. 
Well, it's because people are just like, well, I'm not buying it for all that junk. I'm just buying it for the celery juice. And then they're like... The celery juice is also bad. I know, but that's that's the ga- that's the gateway drug. Because people start drinking celery juice and they start losing weight. Because it's like, oh, I'm drinking celery juice. It's like, because celery is 89% yeah, water. If that's all you're drinking, then yeah, you're going to lose some weight. But you're yeah. also not going to be healthy. Yeah, yeah. I think it got the goop boost. I think that's how yeah, it got. He's Gwyneth Paltrow's guru I guy really too. hope the government shuts down Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, she well, see, is... It's not just her, though. No, I mean, it's, it's she's just whole, one of many. Again, that's my whole thing. It people could be Doctor Oz. People, if it's but not my her. whole thing is Doctor Oz is just people as bad. are latching onto this like they used to latch onto religion, and that's where I'm coming from. Where it's like you're getting all these micro micro fads that people latch onto, and we'll get into fights yeah, they, over. They kind of have been doing. Like, think about the uh, the Wild Wild Country, the documentary. Um, that, that was exactly. Out. I mean, that's. Yeah. But again, but look at all the people. They it's att- been but, going but on. All though. the people, is... all the people they attracted though, were people who were like lawyers and like wealthy people like there are people that are like we got to find more meaning in life other than just making money well that and that's that's it's just a symptom of late capitalism mm. i think you know it's just people are looking for something else because their lives are empty yeah and they're being crushed mm-hmm. um and there's got to be some magic left in the world and and they look to these people who mm-hmm. tell them that there are there is magic yes right here thankful us fa- thankfully us poor folk will not have to deal with yes. that no, we'll just... We'll we, just we have very <laughs> fulfilling lives. The rest just die of, at the age of 60. Yeah. <laughs> the moneyed folk will uh, mm-hmm. join Kanye's church in Wyoming. I, I always... I secretly mm-hmm. hope, and I, I don't have any faith in Kanye, <laughs> but uh, there, there I are... I don't have any faith in Kanye, none. kids' autobiography. But um, there is uh, there's, there's a weird... He's naughty God. There is... <laughs> that is the best song off Jesus, though. The rest of it's pretty unlistable. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is a few conspiracy theories mm-hmm. that what Kanye is doing now is a really deep prestige type, like he's going deep to do some big reveal late, like in like a few years. So he is really trying to pose as this person, as a right wing. Now I'm going to be on the stage with Joel Osteen, who's this friggin ghoul who shut the uh, shut the doors to people uh, when when Houston was flooding his mega church he's like mm. one of these uh, righteous gemstones I, I know who he is yeah I know who um, he is. and meanwhile like dirty gospel yeah yeah meanwhile uh, Kanye uh, 10 years back was like George George Bush doesn't care about uh, black people because mm-hmm. um, because of because a similar of, yeah. flooding and, and meanwhile Hurricane Katrina so yeah. some people are saying that this is all intentional that he's got a plan that mm-hmm. something's gonna happen eventually that would be neat I don't think yeah. it's gonna happen but, uh, no, I don't think so either. But back to Midsummer. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a fun little. I'm fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a riot. Um, it's a film. That's all I'll put yeah, it. People are poisoning each other with pubic hairs. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot going on. As in this soon movie. as a very long film. <laughs> it's a very long film. <laughs> and it's just Ari Aster does this thing where he combines just grief and uh, pretension, grief, pretension, and also uh, absurdity, mm-hmm. and it sort of doesn't work but then occasionally like the needle just hits the spot where it works think, for I, me i think it largely doesn't work because of my my frustration with uh with hereditary at the ending of it and i didn't have the same frustration because i had seen one, those movies that you guys had seen but and with this one the entire time just like those people are wearing nothing but starch white get out of there man they've got like blankets <laughs> that dude's that, got a wooden mallet man you gotta not be there <laughs> yeah and then when and then when they like they, they fall the people commit suicide and they fall and they beat them to death the mallet and they're just like this is just their way i'm like no no there is like no matter what religion you're a part of if someone's beaten someone to death with a mallet or someone's committing ritualistic suicide you say no. <laughs> that's, what, like, that's what you say. You're like, oh, we'll, we'll be going. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Why? 
no, dude. Not like, oh, this is perfect for my thesis. It's yeah. like, no, we gotta go. I was thinking, like, yeah, the pissing on the tree part was kind of a red flag, but yeah. No, it <laughs> By the way, that was as soon as he started peeing. I'm like, that's some kind of thing. It's gonna mm. happen. That, um, that actor, by the way, he's a he's a pretty de- he's a he's a British guy. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yes, he. Well, what, Son what, of he Rambo was, a, was one of his earliest films. Yes, yeah. that's what I was thinking of. He's been in a bunch of other stuff too. Um, what is? It I feel like? like he hasn't gotten his uh, due. He hasn't gotten. He was in. Uh, by the way, he was in the um, the Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, oh, Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Yeah. Which did you guys see? Nah, you guys end up watching? not. Yeah. Nah. I've it's... been behind on Black Mirror. I missed that last season. I missed Bandersnatch. I, I'm completely behind on Black Mirror, except I did watch Bandersnatch. So Go I guess ahead. I'm three episodes behind on Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I missed four whole seasons, so about like six episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bandersnatch is fun. It, it's unfulfilling, I think, ultimately, but it's a it's a fun little gimmick, uh, and it's I think it was worth yeah, my time. It's a good mm-hmm. way to uh, subvert. The illegal uh, streaming markets. How not, how does that work? I, I, because yeah. you have to like choose your own adventure, right? You have to push yeah. the buttons. Like if you if you download you that, if you torrent that from a site, yeah. yeah, you're right. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then uh, mm-hmm. not that I defend like capitalism, but you know, you you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, that would be hard to do. <laughs> It'd be hard to make every film a choose-your-own-adventure. You obviously can't do that. Just like you yeah. can't make every film 3D. Or VR. Which, which is another thing they thought was going to subvert the, uh, the illegal market. And it's like, yeah. watch movies on our phones, man. Well, that's, I mean, like, you know, we got to be honest with ourselves. That's how Martin Scorsese intended us to watch The Irishman, on our phones, on the bus, with in, one in, earbud out in 15-minute chunks. 15-minute chunks. One AirPod out. Yeah, one yeah. AirPod. By the way, that's uh, one of my pet peeves um, in retail. And if you guys are listening at home, because I have to, I have to work in retail still. I same here. Uh, uh, if you uh, if you are coming to the counter and you are going to check out some item, take your fucking headphones out of your ears. God damn it! Just treat me like a goddamn individual. I don't want to be thinking like just. Take your goddamn headphones out. So I don't out. have to scream yeah. at I, I you. Take, I take, do, do you need a bag? No, one headphone is not enough. That's what I take do. Take out both your goddamn headphones. <laughs> Give me your Guys, full attention. I don't want... Just relax. <laughs> they can just hear you. Just put it in your pocket. Just put it in your pocket. I take out one earbud. That's that, fine. that means, like, ugh, I barely, barely want to talk to you, but okay, here I am. Is, is what that signifies. Put, okay. put your person on hold for. I'm not 30 talking to anyone. Most of the time, my earbuds are just in my ears out of convenience. Yeah, that's just take them off. Nah, not you, doing it. Your music can wait. Not listen to music. No. I know you're not. Just take them off. Your no. podcast can wait. I'm not doing it. Just not listening to a podcast. Just put them down either. there. Just put them down there. Not not listening to it. No, no, I'm not doing it. Um, so I've got two films that I want to talk about uh, before I get to my favorite film of the year. Uh, they're small well, I don't films. even have a fave. I guess I'm, I'm going to pick The Irishman just to troll you. But okay, well, I know that's not true. <laughs> I know in five years you'll be like um, you'll be like man, like the moderator on the anti Irishman Facebook page. Nope. Oh, totally. No, it's a good film. Sorry. What are you looking for? Where, where are you going? Uh, what are you doing? You going outside? Uh, I might smoke a joint. We're still talking. Hang on, we're we, we're almost I'm done. Here. We're almost done. We're almost done. Jeez. Well, are we going to take a break? Yeah, we'll take a break. Okay. So, um, the two films I want to talk about that, that have flown totally under the radar, like totally under the radar this year, but I love to death, are uh, a film that a friend of ours worked on, uh, that is Philip Sportel with the film Lost Holiday, mm. starring Caitlin Schell, or Scheel. Um, I'm sorry I missed that. It, it's so, so good. I love it. It's the kind of, oh shit, there's, there's one more film as well I'm going to talk about. Um, Do it. Um, 
but yeah, I love Lost Holiday, and they're both kind of similar. They're both both about people investigating stuff. But yeah, Lost Holiday basically centers on a bunch of friends that went to university together. They come back home to see each other again. They're kind of like at the end, tail end of grad school. And some characters are getting married. Some characters that are getting the one of the char- the people that are getting married had a thing with Caitlin Shell, and now it's over. But she's kind of not okay with it. Um, and her brother is also there. And basically, they take a lot of drugs, um, the the kind of safe recreational kind. And they basically just decide to distract themselves from all their personal nonsense. Hey, we're gonna try and solve this disappearance. And they don't know what they're doing, but they investigate this disappearance, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And it's great. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's emotional. I really, really dug it. Um, Phyllis Portel, to, to say what they did, they basically, the, these filmmakers shot on Super 16 or 16 millimeter film. They'd never done it before, so it came out dirty with hairs. So he basically like took out the dirt and the hair, left in the grain structure, did some digital comping, and... It looks great. I love it. It's fun. Go see it. It premiered at uh, at uh, Slam Dance this year. It played in Toronto in February at the Penn Dance International Film Festival. I don't know if it's gonna ever gonna get a release because it, it flew so under the radar. But it's so good. Please check it out. Uh, and you saw it at a theater I haven't been to since the nineties. Uh, I know. What was, the, was it? Either the Mount Pleasant or the, or region? the region? I think it was the One region. One of those. But like, just the region is where Deadly Eyes was. It's like was the shot. second and yeah. third oldest theaters in Toronto, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful theater. Like the yeah. region is a beautiful theater. I love I think going Fox there. Fox is still number one for oldest. Uh, yeah, I I love the region theater. When I watched Deadly Eyes this year with uh, with uh, uh, Lisa Lavoie, wooden seats. No. Okay. No. 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 That would be awesome though. But no. Um, and then the other film that flew totally under the radar, but I love this year, uh, it played at, uh, it premiered, I think in Venice or somewhere in Europe and it played at TIFF. It is the film Soleil from Italy. It doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. It is <laughs> a heartbreaking film. So basically this, the plot of Soleil is this in Italy it's very hard to adopt a child. You basically have to be related to the person and one of the parents has to abandon the child after birth. Um, but in a lot of Eastern European countries, abortion is illegal. So you wind up with these women who have babies that they just cannot take care of, that they can't give up. And so... What was that Romanian film? Uh, four months, three weeks, about the two abortion, days. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. But this film, basically they work out a situation where um, this couple who can't have children find a girl from Poland, have her come down to Italy, live with the guy's nephew... And basically pretend like you're in a relationship. You go to the doctor. We pay for your room and board. And at the end of it, we both pay you a bunch of money. And the kid is a, the, the, the nephew is a ne'er-do-well, selling drugs, getting into trouble. And throughout this film, him and the Polish girl who don't really speak the same language, but eventually they do, wind up to realize that like, hey, we each make each other a better person. And then she has the baby premature but she can't leave because the baby needs to nurse. They can't switch to formula right away. So they have to keep the baby for a month. And then they basically form this like ad hoc family unit. And they're all both freaking out because they realize we can do this. Like we can be a family, but we can't because we're young and we're really young and we don't know what we're doing, but we can keep this baby alive. We can do this. The guy goes out and gets a regular job and then not to spoil the movie, but just as they're like deciding, they decide we're going to keep the baby. I'm going to go and tell my, my nephew, you're not getting it. He goes and she calls him and tells him to come and pick up the baby because she knows that they can't take care of it. 
and they're reunited and it's just it's it's gut-wrenching not the baby and the and the and the people but it's it's so good it's the other film this year i cried at the end of it was actually recommended to to uh to me by uh frequent guests of the film of uh, the podcast vanessa young's father christopher young chris is it chris christopher christopher, yeah. christopher young yeah. yeah just call him kit young chris sure. young no i'm not gonna do that because um, of the polish factor i'm guessing yeah but he was just like, oh, there's a movie at TIFF with, an act- with a Polish actress in it. He doesn't sound like that at all. We should go see it. So we went and saw it, and it was really, really good. I really loved it. It's far more animated than that. Yeah. Um, and he was very interested about the movie Joker, or as he initially pronounced it, Joker. Um, <laughs> That's very on brand for him. <laughs> Tell me about Joker, Graham. I'm like, what? Oh, Joker. Um, and so... Um, Two more films on my list, including my favorite of the, of the year. One is a film that I know, Phil, you have seen, but I don't think you enjoyed. That is Under the Silver Lake. I did not enjoy it. And I, I was really excited to watch it. I uh, loved Andrew, Andrew the Garfield. hell out of that movie. Yes, it was starring Andrew and that, Garfield. That was sort of where I was uh, referring back to when you started talking about cult. I'm like, yep, I'm, I mm-hmm. think I'm jumping the gun a bit because I'm anticipating you will talk about Under, Under the Silver, Silver Lake. I love it to death so much. It's such a weird, strange movie. Um, from the writer-director of It Follows, uh, Robert Mitchum. I'd love to see that. What's Did you say name? Robert Mitchum? Robert Mitchum, the old those, the Western those, villain. <laughs> those, <laughs> no, sorry, it's it's David Robert Mitchell is his name. Not oh, to okay. be confused with David Mitchell of Peep Show. Yeah, and I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's all over the place. Yes, yes. But anyways, the delightful I, David Under Mitchell. the Silver Lake got dumped in, onto Tubi and Amazon Prime streaming for free. I think also Netflix and, as well. Is it on Netflix? Really? Jeez, it's an A twenty four. But it, I remember because I, I literally was like on stream, like scrolling through Tubi one morning. And I'm like, under the silver, like that can't be that movie because it's just getting a release this week. And then that uh, I like, you started... told me about, it and I watched it on Tubi with the commercials because oh, wow. my ad blocker does. I had to turn off my ad blocker also, to watch it. And... Oh, also, they do guys, that to you? guys, that. watch the commercials. That's how you pay for it. It takes it's thirty seconds to pay for watching a movie. Absolutely free. not. There were a lot of commercial <laughs> interruptions. <laughs> During otherwise you would have had to pay for it on iTunes, which I don't think you were gonna do. Well, I guess I could have rented it from a video store. But it's not out on video yet. Uh, seen it, seen it in theaters. Yeah, like I did with Matt Johnson from Nirvana, the band, the show sitting in front of me, laughing the entire time. Um, I love this movie. It is weird. It is strange. It is great. Sort I think of like it's... Robert Mitchum in Cape Fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. that's awesome. Or Robert De Niro in the Cape Fear remake, watching Problem yeah. Child. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Turn it all back to the old man is my name. How many Problem Child mentions can I uh, draw <laughs> in this episode? But yeah, so um, yeah, Under the Silver Lake, I highly recommend it. It's very easy to see. It's very good. Um, my favorite film of the year, favorite, and it's also on my best of the decade list, is a film that I think both of you guys don't like, but whatever. I'm right. You're wrong. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh no! I I've oh, mo- wow. I've moved that up to four stars. I was going to mention it, yeah. but I I think I was originally at three and a half, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, it it is a fun film to watch. I I've seen it twice. It's I so just good. Don't think I quite like the ending, and I don't think I quite agree with everybody's arguments about the ending. But um, mm-hmm. the rest of the film is is a pleasure to watch. Watch it again, and I think you're you will it'll go up more. That's just it's just Quentin Tarantino jacking off at the end. It's basically just <sighs> no, he's not. No, he's yeah, not. he really is. He's not. 
It's really good. <laughs> nice hand motion work. <laughs> Thank you. The listeners couldn't appreciate it. But. <laughs> no, they won't. Um, no, I love this movie. I think I think Brad Pitt deserves an Oscar for it. I think just, I think just because he's so damn likable. No, I think this. I think he he gave a really good performance. Like that scene at the Spawn Ranch when like he's walking up and he's feeling some fear, and then he goes into the house and he goes in and he sees Bruce Dern, and you, you can tell he's got this legitimate look of concern, and he's trying to break through to Bruce Dern's character of George Spawn and basically be like, "Are you okay? Do you know what these kids are doing?" what's going on and just have George Spahn just like poop all over him for it. And, and even though like George Spahn says like, you know, you've touched me, you're one of the, like, no one comes to visit me anymore. And you came to visit me today to check up on me. But you know, and then he goes on a rant and then he walks outside and he sees like this army of Manson followers who are just like, Oh, like you should be scared of us. And he's just like, Speaking I am not scared of you little shits. That scene where he like, where the guy, like, he walks back to the car and the guy's, like, punctured the tire and he's, like, <laughs> laughing. And then Brad Pitt just goes up and just beats the crap out of him. And then he turns ladies and then punches them some more. Oh, it's so good. Movie's Preceded great. by 10 minutes of Andy McDowell's daughter's dirty feet. That scene was good, too. Oh, that's who scene. that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's great. She I has a her, name, yeah. Phil. Jeez. Margaret Qualley. Reducing people to who their parents She's are. Showing off her uh, armpit hair in that one. That was what I remember. Which, which I dig. I like the other realism mm-hmm. aspect of it. So you know, ladies, kits into hairiness. Not, not what I'm trying to say, yeah, ladies. It totally is. No. No. So you got something against the don't girls that don't shave? Don't be so defensive. Kit. Why are you being so defensive? I thought you said you appreciated it. Now you don't? I, I appreciate the gritty aspect of it for a film, but... Anyway, we're, we're, we're Anyways, getting too deep into the weeds. My here. favorite film, my pick for best film of 2019 is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so I think it's time we take a break because I'm, I'm tired. I think we all could use a little refreshment. We'll be back. Hey, listeners, it's Graham. It's Phil. Uh, it's Kid, apparently. And uh, we just we just had a quick conversation. Well, basically, I told the guys, like, hey, like, let's uh, save our best of the decade. We've been talking for an hour and a half. I don't think I'm going to edit this at all because I think it's... It's good. I'm just going to drop. I'm just going to bleep out the swears. And um, we will we will be back ju- either just before the new year or just after the new year. Hopefully, I'm going to get two episodes of this out before the end of the year. And we might have Lil back with we, us. We, the... Yeah, hopefully, we'll have Lil back. Hopefully, she's feeling, she's feeling fully better. Fully recovered, yeah. From the cold she got from Nadal's baby. All right, guys. So, for Death by Video, thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed our, us rambling about movies that, that probably you haven't seen. You might have seen some. Um, of them. You might have seen some of them. I don't know. I don't know. Like when I look it's at like plausible. When I look at like what our what our listeners in enjoy. Oh yeah, of course they've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it's the best film of the year. And of course um, you've watched The Irishman at least two or, twi- three, times. Two or three times. You for might sure. have even seen Midsommar. Of course, yeah. These are all films that like we all have differing opinions on, but like you've probably seen them. You probably have seen all three: Midsommar, The Irishman, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and liked the, all the three. The Holy Trinity, or hated all three, and are now cursing each of us individually. Um, so with that being said, uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for, for putting up with us for another year. Uh, I think this is three years of it now that we've Coming been doing up this. three years, yeah. Oh, my, oh God. my gosh, yeah. This is episode like either... 70-something. Uh, it'll probably be like 72 by the time it comes out, but yeah, I think we're it's, it's our the Irishman 75th years. that we've recorded in total. I know that off the top of my head. Uh, thank you so much again for listening. For Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm still Graham saying, please be sure to rewind. We'll see you next time. Keep watching amazing movies. Good night.
天。